before I begin my talk this afternoon, um, I got a question from a, a person. And this person wants me to answer this question, uh, I guess, when, when I do a meeting here. The question is, this question is from Revelation. Revelation chapter 13 has two beasts, right? The first and the second. And the first beast we know that that is referring to papacy. The question is, I think, what is the connection or linkage or what's the relationship between this beast in Revelation chapter 13 and the woman in Revelation chapter 17? So really, this question is from Revelation chapter 17. You have the woman named Babylon. Then you have the beast. That she's riding on a beast. The question is, what is that woman? The woman is church. What church is this? Apostate church? It says, mother of Babylon. The papacy. Then, what is the beast? Huh? What is beast? One time someone said that beast represents communism. That was silly interpretation. The beast represents what? You see, Revelation chapter 17, you know the, the prophetic picture, right? Woman riding on a beast. That whole image, woman riding on a beast, represents papacy. Woman represents the religious aspect of papacy. And the beast represents the political aspect of papacy. They're put together. Do you understand that now? That's, that's the difference between the woman and the beast. Woman is more religious, ecclesiastical. The beast is more civil, more political. And when she's riding on the beast, that means she has power over the state government. But you know, she was dethroned from that beast. What year was that? 1798. And we call it the daily wound. When that wound is healed, that means she will ride that beast again. Do you remember the story? <clears throat> I'm going to put a boundary here. I would love to go into Revelation chapter 17, but that's not my designated topic for this afternoon. So I'm just going to spare another two minutes, just go into a little more detail. Do you remember in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus, may I say religious man, <laughs> spiritual man, Jesus, one time, he was riding on a beast. What was that? Donkey. And people say, what? Blesses he. And that indication, when, when Jesus rides on a donkey, that indicates that Jesus is what? King. So when that woman riding on that beast, she's trying to become what, like what? Queen. Do you remember chapter 18 talks about the Babylon as a queen? And she's also called Antichrist. What happened when the Bible says that when Jesus was riding on the donkey, 
And the Pharisees were complaining that whole world is wandering after Jesus, right? What could happen when the beast, the wound is healed? The whole world will wander after the beast. Interesting, isn't it? Similarities. And there's more. Let me stop right here. But we want to study Revelation chapter 10. This chapter is very important to us as Adventists. Oh, by the way, if you, have, if you have questions for me to answer up here, uh, you're more than welcome to give them to me uh, during the breaks. Revelation chapter 10. Just to let you know that Revelation chapter 10 is in between or within six, or may I say six trumpets. You got the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth trumpet, and then Revelation chapter 10 is given. Then it continues sixth trumpet, finishes it. Then we have seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 11. I'm sure that you heard this message before, but I want to go through it again step by step. Those of you who were here this morning, you know how I like to preach, step by step. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Which angel is this? How do, you, how do you know that this is Jesus? Okay, there's some several descriptions. One, his clothes will say what? Cloud. Rainbow was upon his head. Now, cloud is usually associated with Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus ascended to heaven? What took him? Cloud. When Jesus comes for a second time? When Jesus, remember book of Daniel chapter 7? When Jesus moved from the holy place to the most holy place? What took him? Cloud. So, so cloud is usually is associated with Jesus. How about rainbow? In book of Revelation, where do we see rainbow? Revelation chapter 4, describing the throne of God, right? Rainbow on top of it. How about his face was as it were the sun? Do you remember Revelation chapter 1, verse 16? That his countenance was like the sun. And the Bible says his feet as pillars of fire. Do you remember Revelation chapter 1, same place, that his feet was a brass burnished in a furnace or fire. Looking at all these different descriptions, we know that this is Jesus. Did anybody argue with you why Michael is Jesus? How do you prove that Mike, the archangel, is Jesus? Jude? Okay, you know. You know the Bible text. But let me ask you this. How many descriptions are there in the Bible regarding Jesus? How many descriptions or names of Jesus. There are more than 200. 
Sometimes Jesus is called the rock. Sometimes Jesus is called the lamb. Sometimes Jesus is called the branch or vine or king of kings, the almighty, Emmanuel. Are you with me? There are so many names for Jesus. So when the Bible says Jesus is a lamb, that means what? His sacrifice. When the Bible says Jesus is a lion, that means what? He's a king, that's right. So what does that mean when the Bible says Jesus is an angel? Messenger, that's exactly right. So right now in chapter 10, Jesus presents himself to chapter 10, so to speak, as a what? Angel, because he has something in his, in his hand. What is that? He has what? He has a message to give. He has a message to give. And we're going to find out what that is. Now, if I was standing here today, with doctor's jacket and uniform. You're, you are going to expect some, what kind of message? Health message or medical lines of message, right? If I was standing here with police hat, police jacket with gun on my side, what kind of messages would you expect from me to speak? the law of the land, or legal messages. Are you with me? In other words, you can pretty much tell what kind, of, what kind of message he or she will give by what she or he is wearing, or what he or she looks like. Are you with me? If I'm standing here with a uh, uh, jean jacket, has pictures on the back, I'm wearing spikes, wearing necklaces, my clothes are ripped up and zippers everywhere. I have bandanas on my head, hair this long, standing before you, what would you, what would you expect? Rock music, right? I used to look like that 12 years ago. So, you see, let me say something. God does not waste words. God does not waste descriptions. I have more strength now. I was half asleep this morning. So when the Bible says he has rainbow, cloud, sun, pillars of fire, there is a, there is a specific reason why these descriptions were given. You know, when we read, oh, that's very nice, that's Jesus, and we continue, right? But there's specific reason why. Now, first of all, we know that he's coming as a messenger, right? He's, he's about to give a message. What kind of message? Message that is related to the way he presents himself. First of all, the Bible says he's closed with what? cloud. In the book of Revelation, before you go anywhere else, in the book of Revelation, clouds are associated with Jesus with, as what? Second coming. How do we know that? Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Behold, he, Jesus, cometh with what? Clouds. And we know that's talking about what? Second coming. Turn your Bibles with me now. To Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And verse 14. The Bible says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud... Upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head golden crown, and his hand a sharp sickle. 
So, cloud is related to Jesus in what event? Second coming. And this angel is covered with what? Cloud. That means in his message, there's something about what? Second coming. There's something about second coming. Now I'm going to build up a case here so you can follow along. All right? Something about second coming is in included in that chapter. And you will see why. Go back to Revelation chapter 10. Not only cloud, but the Bible says, what was upon his head? Rainbow. Someone said crown. Well, that's, that's a nice answer, but not from Revelation chapter 10. What was upon his head? Rainbow. Now, in the book of Revelation, rainbows are used where? The throne of God. And you know that that's a picture of what in heaven? Sanctuary. That's a picture of sanctuary in heaven. Now, whenever you study the Bible, let's say you come to a word like hide. Study that word hide, how it was used very first time. And study that word hide, how it was used the very last time. Then you can get the whole picture. For example, hiding. When was the first time the word hiding or the concept of hiding was used? Genesis chapter 3, right? Why were they hiding? Because they disobeyed, because they sinned, right? And one of the last time the Bible used the word hide is when the wicked are crying out to the rocks and mountains saying, fall on us and hide us from him. Why are they hiding a second coming? Because of sin. That shows that you cannot continue in your sin till Jesus comes. If you do, you will hide from him. But anyhow, so when was the first time the word rainbow was used in the Bible? Genesis. And the rainbow symbolized something. What is that? God's promise. God's covenant. And you know from spirit prophecy, you know that rainbow represents God's justice and mercy. But it's also related to God's covenant. What then is God's covenant? What is God's covenant? You know. Write the law of God in your hearts and in your minds. Why two different places? Why mind and hearts? You see, mind is more intellectual. Heart is more spiritual. Do you remember the message of sealing, settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, that you cannot be moved? That's why the Bible says, mind and heart. Write the law in mind and heart. But you know something? That's only the half of New Covenant. The rest of the New Covenant is the very next text. And many times we don't read that text. Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I know Brother Humphrey asked me to stop before 4 o'clock. May God help me <laughs> to forgive my, my mistakes and shortcomings in this area. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me, verse 16. The Bible says, This is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds. Will I write them? Watch this. Verse 17. What's the, what is the first word in verse 17? And continue. And their sins and iniquities will I remember what? No more. no more. 
there's a whole study on this. Oh, I just, there's just so much. So the, the new covenant is not just writing the law into your minds and hearts. It's also what? Remembering your sin? No more. But what has to take place before God can just forget about your sin? Of course, there's, on our part, repentance, confession, and sanctification. You know, understand justification, sanctification, all that. But there's an actual event that God says, I will remember no more of your sin. Blotting out of your sin. Now, turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah. I want every sentence of mine to be backed up with the Bible. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25. The Bible says, Isaiah 43 and verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and what? Will not remember thy sins. For whose sake he's going to blot it out? Whose sake? Our sake or his sake? What does the Bible say? My own sake. So whose sake? God's sake. You know, memory can be a cursing or blessing. I don't know why, it's like when you're a student, when you're about to take that test, your memory does not work anymore. And when somebody has done something wrong to you, you won't forget, but you keep remembering. So sometimes our memory can be cursing or blessing. But there will be a time that when you will not be able to remember your own sins. Isn't that a beautiful? So that's given fact. But how about God? Let me ask you something. Can God ever forget? Can God ever forget? Does he forget things? He does not usually, does he? But he says, For my own sake, I will not remember your sin. Can you imagine going to heaven? Your sin is forgiven, right? <laughs> and you're happy and pure and joyous because you're in that the the beautiful land of heavenly Canaan. But same time you know that God still knows your sin that you committed while you're on this earth. Can you can you have a perfect peace in heaven? No. <laughs> When you're in heaven, although, although you might be happy, but at the same time you know something that God knows about you, you know what? After 300 billion years later, you can uh, tug Jesus' dress and say, Jesus, what my son? Do you remember what I committed a long time ago while I was there in that world? And Jesus said, oh. What? I don't remember. <laughs> Come on, let's just go on. God, He is his by own choice. He will not remember your sins. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. That's a promise. So there is not even trace of sin in the memory of God. Amen. That's another study there, but I want to... 
stop right there. So the covenant, so the angel as a messenger coming down from heaven, clothed with what? Cloud. That means he's coming to give some, what kind of message? Message of second coming. But he has a rainbow upon his head. That rainbow represents covenant. New covenant. What is it? Writing the law into your hearts and minds, same time? Blotting out your sin. What message is blotting out your sin? What message do we call that? Sanctuary message. And blotting out sin takes place when? In the holy place or most holy place? Most holy place. And we call that the investigative judgment. You see, before, before second coming, there has to be investigative what? Judgment. So that rainbow represents something about the investigative judgment, the new covenant message. How about his face shined like the sun? What does sun represent in the Bible? In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, the Bible says, Son of righteousness. So that son represents what now? Righteousness of Christ. Can your sin be blotted out if you do not have the righteous, righteousness of Christ? So watch this. You need the righteousness of Christ for your sins to be blotted out. And when your sins is blotted out, you are ready for what? Second coming. It's all right there. So that messenger, that angel has other message. What is that? Righteousness by faith. Second coming, investigate judgment, righteousness by faith. Sounds all similar. I mean, familiar, doesn't it? What other message? The Bible says his feet is like what? Pillars of What is pillars of fire? When was the first time that terminology, that phrase, pillars of fire, was ever used? Exodus, do you remember? When God led Israelites by day, pillars of cloud. At night, pillars of what? fire. What was that for? Guidance. His leading. His direction. So what's happening? He leads us to his righteousness that we may experience justification and sanctification so that our sins will be blotted out so that we might be ready for his second coming. That's the message of the angel. And that angel is coming to these people who are about to experience sweet and bitter experience. Who are they? Who are they? The Advent people. Think about it. What's the message that Advent people are supposed to preach? Second coming. What else? The investigate judgment. What else? The righteousness by These are the messages that our, our people should live, believe, and preach and proclaim in these last days. But what's very interesting, that pillars of fire has a very interesting, may I say, a symbology. This is what I call History repeats. Now listen very carefully. Revelation chapter 10 is given right after, listen now, right after 
the fall of Roman Empire. How many of you studied seven trumpets before? Seven trumpets. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe we need to study seven trumpets. Some of you have. But in short conclusion, seven trumpets, or the six trumpets, is regarding the fall of Roman Empire. Now listen carefully. So what we have, six trumpets, the fall of Roman Empire, then we have the Advent Movement. But the description of the fall of Roman Empire in prophetic language in Book of Revelation is something like this. Described as like some kind of plagues were falling. Like water turning to blood. Like locusts destroying the land. Like darkness. Now these sounds like which plague that we know from the history? Egypt. So listen now. Egypt was destroyed by ten plagues, right? Darkness, blood, locusts, and hailstone. And then you have children of Israelites, Israel. They were being led by God by pillar of fire. Then they crossed the Red Sea. And when they crossed the Red Sea, they were rejoicing. They had a sweet experience. But three days later, they came to this water called Mara. What do you call it? Bitter. Watch this. The Roman Empire fell with the prophetic description, blood, darkness, locusts, and brimstones. Then you have the picture of Advent movement with pillars of fire, God, God's leading. And this group of people will also experience sweet and bitter experience. So our history, the history of Adventism, is a repet repetition of the history of Israelites. When Israelites came to the land of wilderness, what was the first thing they built? Sanctuary. The Avon movement, the one of the first thing they discovered, what was that? Sanctuary. And then they discovered the law of God. God gave the law of God to who? Israelites. How about the health message? That was given to the Israelites, and God gave that message to Seventh-day Adventists. But more than that, do you remember there are two men that says we can go and conquer the land of Canaan? Who are they? Joshua and Caleb, right? Caleb and Joshua. And they say, oh, we can go and conquer. And the rest of the people say, no, it's impossible. Very interesting. We have two people in our history that says, if we take this message, Christ will come very soon. Who are they? Jones and Wagner. So what you're seeing in Revelation chapter 10 is a repetition of the history of Israelites. And what was the main reason why God had to bring the children out of Egypt and bring them to land of wilderness? It's not so much for a sanctuary. It was not so much for uh, giving them health message. It was not so much for giving them a ceremonial law. You know what it was? It was to Restore Sabbath. Because the children of Israel, they were in Egypt because the bondage, they for, forgot about Sabbath. They forgot about keeping God's holy day. And what, what was the one of the reasons why God raised up Seventh-day Adventists? 
to remind the world God's holy Sabbath. It's all right in there in Revelation chapter 10. But, oh, I tell you, enemy is my, I mean, time is my enemy. But I guess I have to keep the promise because we have another wonderful speaker coming. But I have to say a few words here, then I will stop. Revelation chapter 10. And verse 2. All that study was just on verse 1. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. What is a little book open? Daniel. How do you know it's a book of Daniel? Daniel 12, that's the only book that was closed, right? And the Bible says the book of Daniel will be closed till when? Time of, the end. Time of the end. So when the Bible says the little book was open, that means this prophetic vision of John has to take place when? Sometime after 1798. Because the Bible says the book is open. And when the Bible says the book is open, that means it was closed before. And when the Bible says when the book is closed, that means you cannot read it. That means you cannot understand it. Do you remember John the Revelator? There's another book in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, book with seven seals. It was closed, and he was weeping. Why? Because he cannot read it. Because he cannot understand it. So when the Bible says closed, that means you cannot understand it. That's what it is. But let me ask something. Is the whole book of Daniel was closed till 1798. Are you telling me that up to 1798, no one can understand about Daniel chapter 1? That he purposed in his heart? That he will not defy himself? Are you telling me that no one can understand about Daniel and lion's den? Are you telling me that no one can understand about when Nebuchadnezzar became seven years a vegetarian? Are you telling me that no one can understand about three Hebrew boys thrown into burning fire? They read that, oh, I don't understand. <laughs> they close it. Are you telling me the whole book of Daniel was closed? Then what is closed in the book of Daniel? Are all the visions closed till 1798? No. You know why? You know how I know? Martin Luther interpreted the little horn as papal power. And that was before 1798. So not all the prophecies were closed or sealed up. Are you with me? Yes. But then what was then really closed up? What message? Well, turn your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, look with me, verse 26. The Bible says, And the vision, specific vision of the what? Evening and the morning, which was told is true. Wherefore what? Shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. So tell me, which vision was closed? Vision of what? Evening and morning. What vision is that? If you read verse 14, And he said unto me, Unto 2,300 days. Do you see that word days? In original language, it means evening and morning. So vision of evening and morning is referring to 2,300 days. That prophecy was sealed up. 79 days, open. So now which vision people can understand? Regarding 2,300 days. So what happened to Adventist people? What did they study? What made Seventh-day Adventist Seventh-day Adventist? 
the sanctuary message. Not everything comes together, right? And because sanctuary message, people begin to understand about what? Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. Because Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, they understand about second coming. Second coming first. Then they understand about what? Sanctuary. Then they understand about what? Righteousness by faith. Remember, he was close with cloud, second coming, rainbow, sanctuary, and sun, righteousness. And this is a very message for our church. By guarantee, not even one out of ten of our people really understand these prophetic languages in the book of Revelation and Daniel. And how can we, God's people, to give a clear message when the time of trouble will come upon us? And I tell you, we must, as Martin Luther stood up against the worldwide papal power, we must stand up for God. One last thing. I have one more minute. In Revelation chapter 10, Revelation chapter 10, the Bible says this. Look at this. So now the message of this angel, right? What is the message of this angel? It's really 2,300 days. And this angel is standing. He set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. What does that mean? What does that mean? Is universal, right? This world is made up with water and land. But do you know what that foot represents? Do you remember Ephesians? Wear the shoes of what? Preparation of gospel of peace. So foot represents giving the gospel, giving the message. So this message should go to land and see. What does that mean? Everywhere. Which message? He's holding the message. What message is that? 2,300 days. With what? Second coming, sanctuary, and righteousness by faith. Oh, I tell you. I gotta stop. My time is up, but oh, I tell you, there's, and there's so much more. Oh, there's so much more. And there's this thing about when the seventh trumpet is being blown, the mystery of God should be finished. What is that mystery of God? Maybe we'll pick on that next time we have our Bible study. But may God help us to realize that your church is in the Bible. Your church. There's only two church mentioned. No. Three, I should say church. Two church mentioned in the Bible. Roman Catholic and Seventh Adventist. All the churches kind of mentioned, but not clear as this. Not where you can really identify the specific church of God. So may we recognize these things and realize that Adventism is not about denomination only. It's not about just organize ourselves. Adventism is about movement, the work that needs to be finished. And I pray that our brothers and sisters in England will stir up your zeal for God. And don't allow this message just to continue. Don't allow this work just to continue, but let this work to be finished in our generation. May that be your prayer and mine as well. May God bless you. Amen. Let's kneel together for prayer. Our Lord. Our Lord.
and our, and our Savior. We thank you so much for giving us so much time that we can prepare ourselves. Father, help us not to be so rebellious like the rebellious children of Israel who all died in wilderness. But help us to be meek and lowly in heart that we may obey and follow all thy ways. Father, this afternoon, I am pretty sure that there are someone here who is struggling with sin, trials, and temptations. Break them, O God. Break them from sin and the power of Satan that you may give them peace and righteousness that we may enjoy salvation and we may be ready for thy second coming. As you are giving shower outside, shower upon our hearts thy divine love that our lives will be transformed according to your image. Continue to be with us with thy servant and thy message. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.